Welcome to The Upper Left. Each week, you'll hear startup founders and co-founders, corporate executives, angel investors, venture capitalists, and economic development officials discussing entrepreneurship and innovation in The Upper Left. Now, here are your hosts. Lee Reeves with The Upper Left, a podcast about scaling entrepreneurship and innovation in The Upper Left. Season number two of The Upper Left, we have a phenomenal episode for you today. I am joined by Joe Ottinger, the founder and CEO of I Innovate Leadership Network in Seattle. Joe, thanks a lot for joining me on The Upper Left. How are you? I'm good. It's a pleasure to join you and I've uh, been following the upper left, so thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're you're you've recovered from the uh, snowpocalypse 2019. Did you have any issues getting around Seattle, or, or were you in you know sunny California or, or somewhere else uh, during the during the snow? I wish uh, I was here and uh, stuck in the snow. We uh, we have two cars. We put one up at the top of the hill. Luckily, because we couldn't have gotten out for three days. Uh, I did shoveling because, you know, in the East Coast, you just shovel. And so that was kind of fun and a, a nice little memory. But uh, <laughs> then I got got out and about. So good, good. Well, you mentioned that you mentioned the East Coast. Let's let's dive into uh, to your background uh, and, and tell us a little bit about uh, the I Innovate Leadership Network and, and what you guys are up to in Seattle. Sure. Uh, yeah, I I'm, grew up in New York. Uh, originally, and then uh, in D.C., I uh, uh, went to high school, and then uh, spent seven years in Boston. And um, uh, you know, as background, you know, I went to Cornell undergrad and Harvard Business School, and I started out my career with IBM, and realized very quickly I'm not a big company guy. Uh, and after business school, started a company. Uh, which we grew and sold after about five years. Met my wife, uh, from, who's from uh, Mercer Island. Uh, I had not met at that point in time, uh, that was in 87, anybody from the upper left. So, uh, but I've been here for 30 years in Seattle. Uh, my first career was in tech. Uh, uh, so, uh, came here, worked for Macaw Cellular, then a, a, a public company, uh, and that was chapter one. Chapter two uh, led me back to meet a Harvard Business School professor by the name of John Cotter, and we started a management consulting firm. And John is the uh, kind of one of the foremost experts in leading change in organizations. We work with Fortune 500 companies at the senior levels to help them through large-scale change. And then I started uh, I Innovate, um, and that was. Uh, to get back to my passion, which relates to helping companies scale, and uh, kind of went out on my own first, and uh, and and then started this uh, CEO network and consulting firm. Now, at, at I Innovate, who is who is your customer? Because I, you guys work across a, a large swath of uh, growth stage companies, but who specifically do you guys work with at I Innovate Network? So it's, it's really middle market companies. It's, uh, there's two target customers for us. One is, um, I'd, I'd say startups that have product market fit and then start to scale. And because at that point, when you're scaling, you have to put in place a lot of building blocks in order to grow and be successful and, and not break. Um, and it's a challenge for any company to do, and especially if you're doing it for the first time. 
Uh, and then the second uh, group of customers that we uh, support are traditional companies that know they need to retool to compete more effectively and grow in the innovation economy. A lot of things are changing um, and changing faster. And most traditional companies weren't set up to be able to uh, navigate, um, implement digital strategies or do other kind of important, critical uh, uh, things that tech companies do naturally to to scale and grow in the uh, innovation economy. Now we're kind of uh, you know here in Seattle, the the Pacific Northwest. Quite frankly, Portland. I would I would throw Vancouver in there. Um, you know, we we are uh, by all means you know innovation economies, right? Because you know Microsoft. You've got Microsoft here. You've got Amazon here. Um, you know, we now have Facebook and Google. Um, what kind of challenges are you seeing at the at the local ecosystem level uh, with with some of these companies? Because from my perspective, right, I would consider Amazon and Microsoft to be innovation driven companies. But what are what are some of the challenges that you're specifically seeing with the companies that that you're working with at at iInnovate? Yeah. So on the on the scaling uh, side, uh, and this will be familiar with a, a lot of tech company CEOs. Um, you first start with you know your executive team and the team that uh, you, you know you you begin your journey with as a startup may not be the team that necessarily gets you uh, to build the structure you need to grow. So the senior team issues are definitely uh, one. Um, and that continues. So as you grow initially, there you need one team. As you grow and expand, maybe geographically or into other product lines, you need even a different team. So that um, senior team is critical. Uh, scaling culture is another one uh, that's really important. Scaling sales. Uh, when you start, it's really you find your initial customers. Then you have to build a sales team. Then you really need to build an engine uh, for sales and marketing and, uh, and kind of digital marketing approaches to, uh, to, to finding the leads and identifying your customers uh, is a challenge. All the way to financing. So financing initially, uh, as you go through the various different series, series A, B, C, um, you're, you have different partners, you have different board issues. Um, and you have different company-wide kind of starting to be manager and managers. Uh, so there's kind of functional things that uh, we see, and there are kind of broad uh, company-wide issues that companies face. Now, if I go to the traditional companies, uh, what happens there is that companies that haven't really had to retool um, have gotten very good at the business they've done for many years. Um, and you get more and more efficient at the business that you're in. And what happens is you become a management led business and innovation gets crowded out. So the real challenge in traditional companies is how do I bring back innovation? How do I do that, uh, in a company where I really don't have excess capacity or maybe even the knowledge and experience in my team to do that? Uh, and build an organization that can grow for the future because you're innovating in terms of new products, new categories, uh, and expanding your market. And from your experience, does that innovation come from hiring new 
employees from different market segments who have different background experiences, different perspectives, uh, et cetera? I think it can come from tapping into that. Uh, most, the biggest thing is first that the CEO uh, wants to uh, grow and expand and change the company. That's A number one, because without that, it's, it's never going to happen. Um, and then the senior, the uh, CEO bringing the senior team along, and then it's really moving from kind of really focused on execution internally focused to starting to bring signals in from the outside, from your customers, from the market, so that you really have um, more information about where the opportunities are and and possibly even where the challenges of being disrupted are. That's super, super interesting. How, how often do you find that um, the executive team doesn't have the background and or experience to innovate on, let's say, a new, a new line of business within their organization or uh, a new product, et cetera? Like how many of the companies that you work with actually shake up their executive level team uh, as part of the process to innovate? I'd say close to 100%. Um, I'm very much a, a, a advocate of innovating from within. So um, starting with the CEO and uh, identifying opportunities, really strategically figuring out where you want to go. Um, but once you do that, you almost 100% of the time realize you need maybe new additions to the team that you didn't have before. You need a different structure because you probably didn't even have an innovation organization. You need to figure out, you know, what amount of money you want to invest in new innovation. Um, and once you figure out kind of where you're going to go, then you can bring in people that can help you get there. But m most people don't even know where to start. Um, in terms of thinking about this. Mm -hmm. So uh, a process, which is something we help bring by which, okay, here's, here's step one. This is what you need to, to figure out first. Once you figure out this, then you can move on to the next step, which is how do you reorganize to go after the opportunity you identified? And then three, how do I execute in an in innovation oriented business that maybe, um, uh, you've identified or acquired that could grow significantly faster than your current business? And how do you make all of that work within one company? Mm -hmm. So on the, on the acquisition front, then, because you mentioned, uh, the, you know, company that you're working with acquires another company as a, as a means to innovate. They, they maybe have a, a, maybe a competitive product that can add, you know, value to their existing product line. What, what percentage of companies that, that you work with at iInnovate uh, acquire other companies uh, and maybe don't know how to integrate that, that new product into their existing product line or acquire that company as a, as a means to innovate on, on the existing product line? So, uh, you know, most, most of the traditional companies and even the tech scale-up companies, you know, aren't experts at acquisition. Uh, VCs can help uh, traditional companies with acquisitions. Um, and uh, traditional companies can bring in investment bankers to help with acquisitions. On the acquisition side, 70% of all acquisitions fail. Um, 
and they either uh, just don't meet the expectations, the synergies they thought would be there aren't there. Um, this is something uh, we dealt with with very large companies when I uh, was uh, a co-founder of Cotter International. In the kind of middle market and companies that are, are scaling, uh, it's really... Uh, it's really difficult and you have to do it for a reason, right? So uh, one reason might be you can bring an additional product line to sell to your existing customer. Another might be, I want to get into a new geography um, nationally or even internationally and I need local presence and it's easier to buy it than to build it from scratch. But you need a reason to do it. And then what I've often uh, found in my belief system is you leave that acquisition alone and you bring uh, resources to it where you can help the acquisition uh, be successful and you integrate very slowly. Unless you're a very specialized business like WAMU would, would acquire companies and integrate them right away. But most companies, it's just not that way. Um, you just should leave them alone kind of. Uh, like Zappos and Amazon. Amazon left, left Zappos alone and, and they didn't die, right? And um, I think Microsoft and, and LinkedIn is another good example, right? So let LinkedIn do its thing and bring capabilities that Microsoft has to LinkedIn, but let LinkedIn kind of let Microsoft know what, what it needs. Let it, let it serve as a, as a standalone, standalone company, even though it's been acquired by, by Microsoft. Yeah, that's my, my belief system for most companies. Let's jump into your, your ecosystem report because um, we're, we're now a, basically a week. It was February 12th that you released the 70-page uh, comprehensive uh, Greater Seattle Ecosystem Report. But before we jump into that report, um, let's go back a few years, right? 2015, 2016, and 2017, uh, you authored and commissioned uh, three comprehensive ecosystem reports on the, on the Greater Seattle Ecosystem. Um, what, what, gave you this, what gave you this idea? Because I don't, from my perspective, I mean, this 2018 report is probably the most comprehensive that I've ever seen. And I, I think a lot of people would, would make that case. But um, what, what drove you to, uh, to create this, this report for, for the Greater Seattle? It, it's a great question. And uh, it's kind of taking a life of its own. Um, so the, the origin of it is when I first uh, left Cotter to start my own business. And it was kind of the precursor of I Innovate. Uh, I was helping um, and advising, consulting with CEOs that were scaling up their companies. And invariably, I would want to try to help them get to the right resource they needed. Sometimes they needed money, uh, but more often they needed the right um, lawyer, um, the uh, right IP attorney, the um, needed to find someone who really uh, was was a top executive recruiter or marketing company or a sales consultant and in the middle market. And so mo what most people do uh, is they uh, kind of build it out through their own network and identify individuals that way. And I thought, God, I could do that, but it would be much more helpful to not only to me, but every entrepreneur in this community if we did it in a more holistic way. So 
I kind of I went to University of Washington. I found a professor. Uh, I we identified a couple of students, and the first study in 2015 really looked at the tech um, ecosystem, not the whole innovation ecosystem in in Seattle. Um, and you know, we published that. We made it available to anybody who wanted it, um, and. Then the, the then every year since then we've expanded on it. So uh, we would uh, expand on the tech, our no, uh, knowledge and understanding of tech, and we did this by uh, uh, interviewing uh, initially all, all, as many of the uh, tech uh, investors that we could find. So Super Angels, head of the Angel Networks, um, uh, VCs, strategics. And we asked them who they had vetted and uh, recommend to their portfolio companies. And that's the way it started. So it was a vetted list versus, you know, here's everybody in the universe, which I don't think is that helpful. So this, this is a vetted list of the people you should know. Um, and as an aside, this actually led to me founding I Innovate. So in 2015, the report comes out, I'm looking at it. And what you find, and I believe this is in almost every uh, community that wants to have an innovation engine, you find a lot of support for startups. So there were incubators, accelerators, angel networks, um, co-working spaces, all these support um, you know, pieces for startups. And then I was looking at, okay, well, so what's the network look like once you you know, kind of have a business and you're ready to scale up. And there's really two places. One, uh, you can, uh, a lot of the VCs have some sort of support that they provide to uh, their companies once they get to a series A or beyond. Uh, but on the whole, that was a, not a really cohesive ecosystem. So my feeling was, okay, we could start a business. It started as a CEO network where we could bring uh, 10 CEOs of companies that are scaling together because they'd have common issues, but they might be from different areas of the industry. It might be in health tech or gaming or um, consumer or whatever, but they had this common issue that they needed growth money. They had an outside board, they had, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, outside investors and they were moving really fast and could get disrupted. So it's kind of a unique set. And from there it led to consulting on scaling up and there it led to kind of how do you renew and retool even as you're going as a scale up. Um, so it started, it started, I innovate this year. It got, uh, we, it was the most aggressive that we've, uh, been in terms of looking at different markets. So we, we, uh, did, we, we evaluate the tech uh, uh, market, we evaluated the life sciences market, and then we looked at the innovation economy overall and said, and, and actually started a report card that we're going to repeat. And actually, there'll be a separate announcement about the report card um, where we look at different areas of the innovation economy, different sectors that make up, make it up and how healthy are those. Uh, and then we also looked at women in tech um, and tried to identify how is Seattle doing in terms of women in diversity and leadership roles in tech. And uh, ultimately, what's the government doing? 
So there, there are five, um, there are five really main takeaways from the 2018 <clears throat> report. And I, I want to touch on those five takeaways and, and have you just, you know, offer your, your perspective based on the, based on the research that you did. Number one takeaway is that new tech jobs in greater Seattle over the last few years have grown at double the rate of Silicon Valley. Can you, can you address that from your research? Sure. Yeah. Um, so we are, I think, number one in the world in terms of our tech talent, growth in tech talent, jobs uh, for tech executives. In fact, uh, it's grown much faster than we can support with the uh, people who are in Seattle. And I, you'll probably touch on this uh, you know, next, but 80% of all the tech talent in Seattle has come from outside of, uh, of Seattle. They've been, they come uh, from other states. We've had a lot of uh, uh, companies come up from Silicon Valley, Facebook, Google, um, you know, Apple, all have big, big um, uh, campuses up in Seattle. All, almost all of them are tech related. So what happened is uh, you had Microsoft here that uh, needs uh, tech talent, but then you added Amazon and its meteoric growth and requirement for tech talent. And so you start to create this um, synergistic effect where a, a lot of tech talent was, being, uh, was coming to Seattle. And then you had these companies come up from the Bay Area to get tech talent. And so we continue to grow that at a rapid rate and, and twice the rate of, uh, of Silicon Valley. So the rate of growth has been uh, tremendous and will continue for, uh, for a while. Yeah. I can't tell you, I, you know, I, uh, I've been in Seattle since 2006, I guess. Yeah. 2006. Uh, I moved, uh, I was born here, raised in Southern Oregon and then moved back here to go to, uh, go to college and have stayed ever since. But I got to tell you, I don't, I don't meet very many people anymore that are, you know, homegrown Seattleites. <laughs> very few, right? You've, you've been here for 30 years. I consider you to be a, a Seattleite by, by definition. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't run into a lot of people anymore, you know, out in the community that, uh, that tell me they're from, you know, from Seattle or, hey, I grew up in Ballard or I grew up in, you know, Fremont or Greenwood, something like that, or, you know, Bellevue, wherever. Uh, so I, I, I get, I get your point, right? Which is there are a lot of people that are coming from outside of, uh, Seattle to work here, uh, primarily for, you know, the, the high paying, uh, tech jobs. So that's, that's important to, important to note. So you touched on the fact that over 80% of the tech talent in greater Seattle has come from out of the state. Um, let's talk about, uh, well, let me just on that front say that, you know, no matter what we would have needed to import tech talent, but at the same time, if you look at our kind of, uh, education system, the number of, uh, of computer science uh, related degrees, uh, how well we're doing uh, as a uh, state in terms of our STEM, you know, uh, science technology uh, related curriculum and how well students, uh, uh, we're preparing students for this kind of innovation economy. Uh, that's one area that I would say we rate extremely low. 
Um, and uh, let me see if I can get some statistics on that. But um, it's it's surprising, but it's it's true. Um, we we rank we rank like 48 out of 50 states in terms of kind of number of uh, high school grads that go immediately on to college. Uh, it's uh, it's not good, and we rate very low in terms of just our STEM-related expertise in education. So we have the ability to improve that. And um, one of the great things that uh, University of Washington is doing is they created this Global Innovation Exchange. Um, and that's uh, uh, a tech university that's designed over time to create 3,000 graduates. Uh, so I just wanted to point it out. That 80% probably would have stayed the same, but we need to improve the the homegrown education system, mm-hmm. especially in the public schools. That's a that's a that's a statewide statewide problem. That's a statewide problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, second second takeaway here. Let's let's move on to this one. This is an interesting one. Uh, 2018 saw the largest growth in new local tech venture capital formation in a decade. However, over 50% of total venture capital investments have come from out of state. Now, this is an interesting one because I think this notion has been around Seattle for quite some time, which is it, it lacks the growth capital that many companies need to scale. Um, and then you have some of these companies from Seattle making the trip down to San Francisco, Silicon Valley, or you know maybe Boston or New York City to access growth capital. Um, touch on that point based on, on the research. So to me, this is, uh, is a significant point. Uh, let's start with the positive. Uh, we just created uh, the greatest amount of new venture capital uh, dollars in Seattle and new, num- new firms that we have in a decade. So um, uh, in terms of just capital formation, this is amount of money that VCs have raised to invest in in uh, in startups and growth companies, uh, so I look. Uh, you know, if you look at this, you look at, and you look at life science and technology. Uh, Fraser Healthcare raised seven hundred and eighty million. Biomatics, which is in the life sciences area, also raised three hundred million. Madrona raised. Uh, I can't remember what number fund it is, fifth or sixth. Uh, three hundred million. Mavron in twenty seventeen raised one hundred and seventy million. Pioneer Square Labs raised 80 million and Flying Fish raised 28 million. So on the positive side, uh, okay, we're starting to get more formation of, um, of that. Uh, if you look at Washington State versus Massachusetts in terms of uh, VC investment, in 2018, uh, we had... $2.9 billion of investment in, from VCs in Washington state. And uh, if you look at Boston and Massachusetts, uh, they had $11.9 billion. So you just go, all right, well, we seem to be doing great. We're number four in terms of states, mm-hmm. but we are way, way under um, – under uh, venture capital uh, lies in in Seattle. And then the second thing, uh, if you look at just the percentage um, uh, growth, we have no uh, growth stage VC here. 
uh, I'd say almost zero. So there's, uh, there's a few firms that'll invest in a series B and mostly it's, uh, uh, Madrona, but, uh, not much at all. So, uh, the trend has been that the deal count, the number of deals done in Seattle in 2018 grew very slightly, almost flat, but the amount of money raised in 2018 grew significantly. So that really says there's more later stage venture capital. And that all comes from out of state. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the number is quite significantly greater than 50%, but uh, haven't been able to get through PitchBook or other methods the exact number. It's definitely north or, northwards of 50%. That's, uh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, this next one, no surprise, number, the number four takeaway, seven out of 10 of the top office tenants in greater Seattle are tech companies. Uh, seems, seems like a gimme. What, what do you, what do you have there? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it used to be a Boeing town. Even when I moved here, it was definitely, uh, Boeing led. Um, and you know, now uh, no surprise if you look at office space lease uh, in in uh, Seattle. Number one is Amazon. They have you know over thirteen uh, million square feet uh, um, a lease. Uh, Microsoft is second with just over thirteen uh, million uh, in terms of square feet leased. Boeing's third with five point eight. So. That's interesting. But then you have Starbucks at 1.3, Facebook, Google, WeWorks, T-Mobile, F5, and, and the Gates Foundation round up 10. So, uh, yeah, tech is, is dominating now. And tech is, uh, like we said before, likely to grow. Facebook, Google are growing. Uh, and, uh, and Apple's also growing. Uh, other tech uh, oracles up here, as you know, uh, and others are uh, increasing their presence. Number five takeaway. This is this is an interesting one. Um, I think it it maybe I don't know. Maybe it would come as a surprise to some, or um, others would say, you know, we we have a lot of work to do. Uh, number five takeaway: Women-led tech companies and life science companies account for only three percent to eight percent of the total what 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 else can we do what what can we do better based on uh based on your reporting well uh so the eight percent uh is kind of the number that geekwire uh, reported of women owned or women led uh, uh companies uh uh in the geekwire 200. These are the 200 uh, companies that are growing and GeekWire identifies as up-and-comers. And And 3% is kind of the global, uh, or I'm sorry, the national average of women-led companies. So we're somewhere in in between those two. Um, And so it's a national problem. And what I found, because we put in the report, we tried to find all the resources that could support women in the greater Seattle area. We tried to find all the women angel investors and VC investors that were uh, in the area. We tried to find the organizations uh, and the meetup groups and any other 
information that would support women. And what I found is that there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot of support, women supporting women. Um, uh, the VC firms have made an effort to uh, hire women. Um, and, you know, that's from Pioneer Square Labs to Madrona to Mavron and others. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's efforts going on to do that. But I think, and there's even uh, uh, firms and angel investors that will only invest in women-owned uh, businesses. So uh, there is a push. Uh, there's been a long time statistic that women uh, in leadership roles and the diversity leads to better companies. Uh, so I think it, it, it's not only a need for women to support women, but it's uh, women to want to go into this uh, and take leadership roles, which I think more and more they are. They're going, taking these uh, STEM degrees. They're going into and stepping up to be leaders. And, uh, and I think getting the support will take a little bit of time, but you know, it's, there will be a time where it'll be 50, 50. Uh, I don't know how far away it is, but if we make a concerted effort, uh, we can get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always think about, uh, uh, the female founders Alliance here in Seattle that does, does an outstanding job of, of providing a, a network of support in a community for, uh, for female founders, which is, you know, a great organization. Um, but I, I think you're spot on. I think, um, it, Oh, I hope, I hope that it's trending in the right way. I think we, we all have a lot more to do, right, from, from that perspective to make sure that, um, that everybody who wants a place at the table has a place at the table, I guess, is the, is the easiest way to, to put it from my perspective. So um, yeah. important, important to note, uh, note those numbers as well. So uh, any, any additional uh, takeaways from, from this report, Joe, that, uh, that are hidden in the numbers uh, that, you want to, that you want to communicate? Well, I think uh, there's probably two. One is, you know, uh, I, I look at, and again, kind of uh, previewing the report card, at uh, a strong innovation economy as having strength in the innovation side, which is the amount of money that is invested in, you know, pure research that leads to intellectual property and patents, um, the startup community. So startup and innovation uh, economy aren't synonymous, but that is an important uh, part of it. Then it's how do we compete uh, regionally uh, with with other communities for tech talent and and uh, for uh, money, and then same thing globally. How do we compete? And uh, yeah, we've talked about kind of the uh, the startup, you know, and kind of the challenges we have there, really mostly with money. Uh, in investment capital, uh, we are really strong in the amount of money that gets invested in research. Um, uh, so the innovation economy is strong. The kind of the third area, which is how do we compete regionally? Uh, we've been um, this. This is like, uh, are, are we an affordable and livable city? And um, is it a place that you know attracts? tech talent or is tech talent leaving? So we're attracting, we've been really strong there, but we've grown past our infrastructure. And I just point that out and we see it in transportation and there's some other measures of 
kind of livability, the cost of housing and that kind of thing. And globally, we're the first time that I've seen us on some of the global um, ratings as a global, um, not only innovation city, but a global powerhouse city. So uh, looking at that, but you know, what strikes me in terms of looking at us as number one uh, is Microsoft and Amazon. They're one and two in terms of market cap and uh, having both of those in Seattle is amazing. And then we're a leader in four technology areas, um, cloud computing, machine learning, e-commerce, and and gaming. So, uh, and gaming probably gets less um, uh, billing, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's another thing. Um, And then I guess, I guess I, I would conclude with just, I, you know, we're, we're on our way. Like Greater Seattle is in the conversation as a top global innovation hub uh, and center for innovation. Uh, I think the flywheel is, is moving uh, and turning and we're going to continue to grow. Uh, uh, there's a need for some cross-sector uh, initiatives to ensure livability and future infrastructure inclusiveness. There's a number of things going on. We didn't uh, even mention. You started out by saying, kind of, you're looking. You've looked at innovation from up to Vancouver and down to Portland, and this uh, uh, Cascadia Innovation Corridor is something we don't need to touch on, but it's just uh, interesting as we look at creating really a tech region. Uh, that can you know rival Silicon Valley. Long way to go, but uh, but the wheels turning. Yeah, that's uh, that Cascadia Innovation Corridor and and creating a regional hub is uh, you know we could do a whole another whole another episode on that. I think uh, you know, Vancouver is is obviously a, a leader there. Portland Portland has got a great a great community and and then you look at you know you look at smaller hubs too like you know Spokane right Spokane Washington is is absolutely taking taking initiative on you know driving driving growth innovation growth economic development growth um and, you know i look at uh, uh you know even small places like you know Wenatchee Walla Walla you know s- smaller scale obviously but um they individuals, organizations doing their part to drive uh, drive innovation, and I, I think it's worth uh, noting their efforts uh, as well because they they all play a, a role in this greater um, you know kind of Pacific Northwest regional uh, regional ecosystem. So. Joe, it's been absolutely great to have you. Joe Ottinger, founder and CEO of iInnovate Network, uh, also the author of the 2018 Greater Seattle Innovation Ecosystem Report. Um, Joe, can you just let the listeners know where they can go to get the report? I'm, I'm also going to include a link as well, but I want to make sure that they have that information available so that they can go to your website and uh, download a copy as well. Sure. So the, the website is iInnovate, that's two I's and two N's, network, iInnovateNetwork.com. And if you go to the resources tab, uh, you can download uh, the report there. That's great. Again, Joe Ottinger, founder and CEO of iInnovate Leadership Network. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing you out in the community. That's all for this episode of The Upper Left. If you found it valuable, please head to our Patreon site and contribute whatever amount you can to our show. Your contribution will support entrepreneurship and innovation in the upper left. 
Thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time on The Upper Left.